0: Among the women that were so devoted to Jesus, that followed Jesus, that served Jesus, that ministered to Jesus, among the women that lingered at the cross and were first at the tomb, was a woman named Mary. This Mary was named uh, not only Mary or Miriam, like many young Jewish women, But this Mary, she was from a village called Magdala, and so she became known as Mary of Magdala, or Mary Magdalene. And so she was from this small village that was on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. She was a Galilean Jewish woman. But that wasn't the only thing that distinguished this Mary from the other Marys. She was known because she was the Mary, from whom seven demons were taken and cast out of her life by Jesus. Mary was known about the work that Christ had done in her life. Two or three things we want to say about Mary. First of all, Mary was liberated by Jesus. She knew Jesus as her liberator. He's the one who had set her free. Mary, along with many other women and men, come from all over Galilee to Jesus they brought the sick and the maimed and the crippled and the blind and the paralytics and the demonized they were oppressed and burdened down with suffering and Christ loved them and he cared about them and he healed them he had the power to the power and the authority to heal the power and the authority over evil The power and authority over illness and disease. And Jesus was setting captives free. Mary said, in her own words, my life was out of control. I had been a life of abuse, a life of pain. Abused by others, abused by family, abused by men, abused by myself, abused by forces of evil that haunted me. She was captivated by these demons. Mary might have said, you know, my life was overwhelmed. My emotions, they were out of control. My mind was clouded. I didn't have good judgment whatsoever. I could be angry at a drop of a hat, and just my emotion of anger and rage would come to the surface. It was like I was out of control, and my behavior was out of control. I was injuring others and injuring myself. My relationships were a string of broken relationships. My thinking, my thinking was wrong and clouded, and I misunderstood people and events and what was happening in my life. My fears and anxieties were overwhelming, paranoia about what was going on. My life was controlled by evil. You'll never know what it was like. You'll never know how out of control it was. You'll never know the shame that I felt, the embarrassment of it all, and the destructive nature of it. People would whisper, I would hear them, what is wrong with her? I would even say, shout inside of myself, what is wrong with me? I had no ability to save myself. When they brought me to Jesus, everything changed. He saw me. He saw right through me. He knew me, and he knew what was wrong with me. That's Mary's words. And He commanded the evil to leave me, and it left immediately. And I was alive again, maybe for the first time. The stress, the anxiety, the evil desires, the hate, the anger, the self-destructive behavior. I was free. I was free. And I was changed inside. I was alive again. You see, in Mary's words, he saved me. He liberated me. He forgave me of all of my sin. And Mary said, I'll follow that man for the rest of my life. And love filled her heart and soul. Love like she'd never known before. Jesus was not only her liberator. Jesus was her teacher. She learned of him, sat at his feet, followed him, and wanted to understand the kingdom as he would teach about it. One of her favorite expressions for Jesus was Rabboni. It's Aramaic. It means my teacher. But there was a familial and intimate way that she could say, you are my teacher. No one ever taught like Jesus, right? Jesus taught with authority and not like the scribes and Pharisees. No one explained the law like Jesus, No one demonstrated the love of God like Jesus. Nobody taught about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength like Jesus. Nobody taught how to love your neighbor like Jesus. Nobody explained God like Jesus. Jesus even said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. John said it beautifully. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was also her leader. She was loyal to him. You know, Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself himself take up his own cross, and follow after me. Mary, maybe in her words, said, I knew from the day he set me free, I would follow that man anywhere. I wasn't one of the men. I wasn't one of the apostles. But I was going to join a band of other women. And among that band was Mary, his mother, and Mary's sister, Salome, James and John's mother, the wife of Zebedee, Joanna, the wife of Chuzas, Herod's servant, and other Galilean women unnamed. And she said, I'm joining that band. And this is kind of what they said. We will follow him. We will serve him. We will help him. And we'll do what the men won't do. We're going to support him, take care of him, and we're going to play our role. And as a band of women, we're going to do the very best for him that we can do. They were devoted to him as Lord. They believed in him as Messiah. And they believed that he was the son of God. Amen. Those were the women. And among them was Mary whose life was so radically changed by Jesus. Amen. Toward the end of his ministry, Jesus began to prepare them that he was going to Jerusalem, and there he would have to suffer and die. He tried to tell them, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'll suffer the hands of evil men, and I will die. He even tried to tell them that he would be raised from the dead, but this didn't, it was incomprehensible. They couldn't understand it. They heard the words, but it didn't have meaning. He was Messiah. He was bringing in his kingdom, and it was radically different than anything they'd ever heard before, and they were his followers. Jesus himself had said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. A ransom? How would that be? Mary She was following Jesus. It was the last days of his life. Jerusalem was filled with pilgrims from all over Galilee. It was Passover week. And so Mary followed closely. Every step of the way, the last day of his life. The apostles met together and they celebrated Passover together in an upper room. And Mary and other women were in the shadows of that supper. After the supper, they made their way, and Jesus taught all along the way to Gethsemane, they in the shadows, listening to every word. When they arrived into the valley, the Kidron Valley, a favorite place to go of Jesus, to a place called Gethsemane to pray, Mary witnessed things that she had never seen before. Jesus said to his disciples, stay here and pray. Pray that you enter not into temptation, he said to them. He went away of distance and began to pray. Maybe Mary would say in her own words, I saw him praying. And I've never seen anything like that in my life. I've never seen him under such burden. His face was filled with burden as he spoke to God. I don't know all the words that he said, but it was like he was in a vice. It was was like... He was being uh, under such pressure. He was like he was being squeezed. Some said the perspiration on his brow, they thought they saw blood on his brow. The prayer service was interrupted abruptly, and then came guards. And those guards were coming from the chief priests, the Sanhedrin. The elders, religious leaders, they came with spears and swords and clubs. And they were coming to arrest Jesus. Judas led the band. Judas was one of the twelve. We all thought he was a thief. We didn't know he would betray him. And he kissed him and betrayed him. My heart broke. They took our Savior away, Mary said. And they took him to Annas's house and Caiaphas, who was the high priest, and his son, and his father-in-law, who'd been the high priest before him. And they berated him all night long, questioning him, accusing him, bringing in false witnesses. He had to endure it without sleep all night long. They mocked him and made fun of him, they said. We sat outside in the courtyard." prayed. We wondered what was happening. Why was this happening? We couldn't understand it all. The next morning they took him to Pilate. Pilate? He was a Roman governor. Why? And they take him to Pilate and they want him condemned to death. Pilate examines him. He finds nothing worthy of having executed. But that's what they wanted. That was their agenda. He sent him over to Herod. Herod had jurisdiction over Galilee. And since he's Galilean, he sent him to Herod. Well, Herod's a curious cat. Herod really, he was just curious about Jesus. And Herod's whole deal was, won't you do some tricks? Why don't you do some miracles? Show us your power. When Jesus didn't give in to that game, Herod realized there was nothing to have him executed, sent him back to Pilate. Pilate examines him again, and there's nothing but just and innocent. There, he's a just and righteous man. But he gives in to the, the, to the crowds and the religious leaders and said, if you let this go man go, you are no friend of Caesar's. He made himself out to be a king. We have no king but Caesar." We don't want any criminal released, uh, any other criminal. We don't want him released like some of the other criminals that might be on this Passover week. We want you to crucify him. Crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. If his blood is on anybody, let it be on our heads and our children. Wow. Can't believe any Jewish leader would say such a thing. Any priest would say such a thing. He was sentenced to death, condemned unjustly. In Mary's words, I watched. I watched as they paraded him about and made fun of him like a king. They said a king needs a robe. They put a robe on him for just a little while. They made him naked. They stripped him. They made fun of him. But before they did that, they put a scepter in his hand. He he needs a scepter. They gave him a reed making fun of him. He needs a crown. They wove a crown of thorns, pierced his brow. They took rods and they beat him. They scourged him and ripped and shredded his back open. And I thought, my goodness. This is my savior. This is my teacher. This is my liberator. This is my Lord. What are they doing? No, surely they won't kill him. The sentence was that he be crucified. They led him outside of the city. He was bearing his own cross. Another came to help. They buried his own, they took his cross outside of the city to a place called Golgotha. In Latin, it's Calvary, the skull place. And between two thieves, common criminals, Jesus is nailed to a Roman cross, died at the executioner's hands. We stayed. We did not leave. We didn't care whether we die for him. We resolved the women from Galilee. We all resolved together that as sisters, they may kill us, but we won't leave him because he is our savior. From the cross. He cried out. From the cross, he said several things. First of all, he said, I thirst. Oh, how he suffered. From the cross, he even forgave. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Oh, what love. From the cross, he cried out. And he said to a thief that was next to him, who changed his tune and stopped hurling insults and then said, you know what, we deserve what we're getting, but this man deserves nothing. He rebukes the other thief. And he says to him, Jesus, why don't you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Huh. And Jesus said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Oh, what love and forgiveness from our Savior. What hope today you'll be with me in paradise. In that tender expression that Jill told us about a moment ago, where he looked at his mother, and he said, Woman, behold your son. And he looked at John, behold your mother. He loved tenderly his mother and cared for her even from the cross. But in the cross there was loneliness. Oh, what loneliness. I knew the Hebrew scriptures, Mary says, the Hebrew scriptures from Psalm 22, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabath, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But it wasn't just a song. He felt so alone. He was dying alone. He was bearing something alone. In an act of great faith, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit He cried out with a voice, It is finished. What a word! It sounded like victory in his voice. And then he died. Finished! Complete! Done! The mission accomplished. His life was seemed willfully as if he were dying even though his enemies were killing him. They pushed us back from the cross. They lowered the cross. They pulled the nails. And a very wealthy man named Joseph from Arimathea had made arrangements for his body from Pilate. And so he receives the body. And they wrapped it in a new shroud, a linen shroud. They anointed with it with alloys and perfumes, And they carried it to a garden right near Calvary. And there they laid it in a tomb where no one has ever been laid before. And as I laid there, I sat and looked at the tomb. And I looked at the garden, and I looked at the stone. And I began to say, why? All the others had left, and it was just Mary and Mary. And Mary Magdalene said, why, 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 why did this happen? Why this man? Why Jesus? He didn't deserve this. He was innocent. He was perfect. He'd never d- treated people wrong. He was nothing but the love of God. How could this be in God's plan? How could this? I don't understand why. This could be. And then I thought as I looked at the tomb and the stone and thought about all that had happened, I wondered about this. Could it be that even this, this death, was somehow for us? Paul would later write, God demonstrated his own love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen.